Thank you for listening to the Competition Committee podcast, where we make sports more fun for the fans. Check out new podcasts every Thursday. Welcome inside the Competition Committee. I am your host, Parker. Joining me, as always, is JJ. And in today's episode, we'll talk about Super Wildcard Weekend and the latest NFL coaching news. We'll play a game of high leverage, true or false. We'll propose a rule change for another NFL wildcard team. We will then read off an email from one of our favorite listeners. And then to wrap up the show, we'll give out our bold predictions. Before we get we begin, of course, we'll bring in our third committee chair, Campbell. And Campbell, I heard the Atlanta Falcons have interviewed Bill Belichick. First off, don't you think Bill interviewed the Falcons? And second, do you think Bill brought up the 28-3 to blown lead in the Super Bowl during the interview? <laughs> yeah. You know, actually, I think that's kind of how the interview went. I think Bill said, hey, is this in the past? Can we bury the hatchet? And then Arthur Blank probably said, I don't know, can we? And then they probably just stared at each other, and Bill says, I don't need you guys. I'm going to the San Diego where it's warmer. So I, I think that's where that's going to go. He's going to go to San Diego and retire because there's no NFL team there. Uh, close enough to the Chargers. I agree, though. I think he will. I do think he'll go to the Chargers. But we'll get to that. Yeah, there's no, there's no reason for him to go to Atlanta, but we'll talk about that later, I'm sure. Alrighty, let's jump right into it. So Super Wild Card Weekend, we had some great matchups on paper, but unfortunately we had a lot of blowouts and some unexpected blowouts. We had the Texans playing the Browns. They beat the Browns 45-14. to We had the Chiefs playing the Dolphins in one of the coldest games in NFL history. Chiefs beat the Dolphins 26-7. to Packers defeating, defeating the Cowboys. They were seven-and-a-half-point underdogs, and they beat the Cowboys 48-32. to So out of these three games that were blowouts, was there one that was the most surprising? How do we feel about these games? Well, before I answer your question, what's the most surprising? The Texans-Browns game never seemed close. There was never any chance that the Browns were going to win that game. The Dolphins... Chiefs game, it always looked like the Chiefs were a much better team, I thought, even though it was 16-7 at half. The Cowboys-Packers, although the score ended up 48-32, to it was not that close. At the start of the fourth quarter, it was 48-16. to So I think none of those games were very good games, and none of them were very close. And in all cases, the better playing team won easily. Yeah, I definitely think that in terms of the Texans game, I think that C.J. Stroud guy, he is the quarterback of the future. I think he is someone you want to have on your team, and I think Carolina feels really dumb right now, trading up to draft Bryce Young instead of C.J. Stroud. And I hope that Joe Flacco does what Joe Flacco does, which is throw two interceptions. But still, the fact that C.J. Stroud annihilated arguably the best defense in the NFL and his playoff debut i mean you can't just like write that off as joe flacco choking i think that is huge so i was really impressed with cj stroud i think what we, we have to talk about the coverage of this as well i said before i said last week that the peacock 
game, the Saturday night game, Chiefs and Dolphins, would get the lowest ratings. Turns out I was wrong. They got 23 million viewers. Now, for comparison, that's 23 million on Saturday night. Sunday night, the Packers-Cowboys got 40 million. So I thought, okay, maybe, maybe the Chiefs-Dolphins still got the lowest, but they didn't. Monday night, the Bucks eagles only got 14.5 million. So the Peacock coverage or the Peacock game got more viewers than the ESPN game, which surprised me a little bit, but I still want to talk more about this Peacock coverage. So Parker, you said 55-year-old men were going to be calling their kids asking for how to get how to watch this game. I turn on Peacock, which I own, which I've had for a more than a year, and I go to watch the game and I get a kitten looking back up at me saying, "Sorry, something's wrong." It happened about four times. I could watch the uh, Spanish language broadcast. The only way I was able to watch it until halftime on my computer was to watch it on my phone and project it up to my television. So Peacock had problems. They were not ready for 23 million viewers. So they did a terrible job. And I still have more to say about this. NBC should not be given three games. NBC has one broadcast team, and they work Sunday night, and they're real good. This Texans-Browns game had Noah Eagle and Todd Blackledge on it. I don't know who these guys are, but they didn't bring any excitement to that game at all. And then the Peacock coverage had Mike Tirico, who's pretty good, but they paired him with Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett is the worst color commentator since Booger McFarland. They did a terrible job. Absolutely, NBC should only get one game a weekend because that's all they can handle. I don't think was NBC given that game, or they just paid the twelve point seven million dollars for that game. I mean, I don't know if they are given. I think they just outbid everybody else. So I would, I wouldn't be getting all worked up over that. But and I personally like Booger McFarland. I always thought he was kind of he's funny. terrible. You never know what he's going to say. He's entertaining. That's a Buccaneer great right there. My thoughts on the matter. I really don't care who has the games. You know, I won't let the slander of the great Iron Eagle play-by-play commentator's son uh, take place here. Um, Iron Eagle, a great commentator, his son, getting into the business. Noah, you know, he is a great up-and-coming commentator, sounds just like his dad. I'm an Iron Eagle stan, and I won't allow that. But anything about these other games, I didn't have a problem hey. with NBC. Go ahead. I thought you were moving on to the next games. Guys, in a, playoff football is important, and you don't need your up-and-comers doing it. They can they can broadcast the third or fourth game on a Sunday afternoon. They don't need to be doing There was no excitement for those two games, and it was because of the broadcast team. Well, I mean, if they have three or four games, they're going to have to find somebody to be a commentator. Well, see. That's okay, and let's be I was gonna say, let's be honest too. Like, who's besides the city of Tampa and the city of the city of Philadelphia? Who's going to be excited about that matchup? That's a nine and six team versus arguably the worst team, the worst second half team besides the Dolphins in the NFL. The Eagles sucked the last six games of the season. 
they had the biggest fall off besides the Dolphins. So I don't think there was a lot of energy, a lot of storylines around that game anyway. Well, it's a dismal defense versus a mediocre offense. No one really cared about that game. The, you're making you're making it. my point exactly. So there shouldn't have been as much excitement for that. But if you listen to that game, that was a good game because of the broadcast team. That broadcast team can make anything exciting. The broadcast team that we had on Saturday, the two NBC teams, were terrible. All righty. Let's move on here. Our next game is the Lions and the Rams. Lions narrowly defeating the Rams 24-23. to Lions started off the game very strong. They had a commanding lead in the first half. Second half, the Lions only scored three points. They still won the game. What are y'all's thoughts on the game? That by far was the most – that game had the most energy in the stadium of any game I can remember in a long time. Those Detroit fans were so fired up. There was That was so much fun to watch. That's an example of a, an exciting game broadcast by a good team. All right. Yeah, I, I personally didn't watch that game, so I really don't have that much to say. I, I can't remember what my excuse was. I think I was working that day or that whatever it was, but I'm really pumped. I love the idea of Detroit advancing and moving forward, and I think they have a good shot of getting to the Super Bowl. And I think, personally, Detroit should be considered the new America's team. Out with the Cowboys, in with Detroit. That's really all I have to say. And I like Dan Campbell because, I mean, Campbell. I mean, come on, what else is there to say? I like it. Hey, and Dan Campbell got to be a smart coach at the end of that game when they had to run out the clock. So you know what most coaches do when they have to run out the clock. They just hand the ball off three times, don't get a first down, and have to punt it away. He didn't do that. On second down, he let his quarterback throw it for a first down. And then the second time they had to get a first down, they did the same thing. He wasn't afraid to throw it at the end of the game. He looks smart. The team looks smart. The team won well. There you go. Next game is the Steelers and the Bills. I didn't watch a lot of this game, but I was expecting to see a lot more snow and weather on the field. It seems like the the Buffalo Bills staff and the fans did a good job cleaning up the stadium, but any thoughts on this game? Well, I watched all the games. So, yeah, I have thoughts on this. So the final score, 32-17, to 17, seems like, feels like a blow. But this was a statistically even game. If you go back and look at all the stats, time of possession, number of first downs, everything was equal except for one thing. Steelers had two turnovers and the Bills had none. There's your 14-point difference right there. And – Unfortunate, but you could see that the Steelers aren't a real good team, but they're a well-coached team. Tomlin. Yeah, I guess I thought that game – I watched the majority of that game. I, I, like J.J. saying, the stats are even, but to me that game seemed over at the half, even though you could argue that was when the Steelers were in it. But to me it just kind of felt like a boring game. I'm with Parker. I wanted to see some snow on the field. Mm-hmm. I don't have a whole lot of takeaways from that game. Well, that was 21 to nothing early on, and the Steelers fought their way back. So they had a, they had a big hill to climb because of those two uh, turnovers. And Mason Rudolph ain't the guy to come back from that type of deficit. Next up, we have Eagles versus the Bucks. A lot of people 
believed that the Eagles weren't playing their best football, but were still going to take care of the Bucks in easy fashion. I will say, as a lifelong Bucks fan, the whenever the Bucks play the Eagles at home, it's usually 50-50 fans for the Eagles and Bucks. I didn't see many Eagles fans. There's obviously some that were there, but that crowd was crazy hyped up for the game. I didn't see a lot of Eagles fans, which was, which was good to watch or good to see. But the, the Bucks just kicked their butts. I mean, the Eagles are just an absolute shambles. Uh, Matt Patricia doing a terrible job on defense. The offense for the Eagles is in shambles. I mean, it, this team is a shadow of itself from the first half of the season. I don't know what's going on, but, I mean, it's good for the Bucks. I mean, the first half was an absolute domination by the offense. Kind of dwindled, dwindled there for- at the end, but... The score at the end of the first half was 16 to 9. The Eagles were still in it. This this game didn't become a blowout until the second half. Although I I acknowledge the Bucks were playing much much better, but the Eagles managed to stay in it. Yeah, it was unfortunate what happened. If you're if you don't have a rooting interest, it's unfortunate that it just became a blowout in the second half. But again, 16 to 9s one touchdown down. So all I watched of that game was the first quarter, and I felt like confidently when I turned off the TV after the first quarter, I was very confident the Bucks were winning that game. They looked better. Baker looks peak form mm-hmm. right now. Happy for him. Happy for that whole organization. And I think the Eagles, you know, they're on their way to a whole rebuild. And lucky for Jalen Hurts, he got $250 million no matter what. So good for him, I guess. But I think Sirianni's out. I think LaFer is out. That was their biggest problem was hiring that joker. But who knows? Next up, you we, think they're going to fire a, you? You think they're going to fire a coach the year after he went to the Super Bowl? Yeah, they did it with the previous coach. That's a good point. The Eagles are notorious for getting off their head coaches early. All righty. So usually the Monday after the NFL season is over, it's called Black Monday. It's a lot of coaching changes, coaches resigning, coaches getting fired, and whatnot. It seems like we bring this up every week just because we keep getting more and more coaches changing. So we do have an update on how many coaches were fired now. Because it lasted more than one day, we're calling it Black Week, coined by none other than JJ. Thank you, JJ. So JJ, who who else was fired that we haven't covered yet? Well, it's... We're not certain who was fired and who just retired. So, I mean, do you think Bill Belichick was fired? I think he was told he doesn't have a job, but I don't know that you'd call it fired. Told to resign. I've asked a lot of people to do that. Yeah, so to me, that kind of shows a mutual parting of ways. Kind of feel like probably both parties at the end of that realized that they needed something different. And out of respect for each other, they probably did it cordially. I don't think he was fired. So the Tennessee lost their coach, Gravel, and Seattle lost their coach. Yep. The old guy's name I can't think of. Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll. So do you think Pete Carroll was fired, or do you think Pete Carroll uh, resigned? I don't – after Pete Carroll's last game during his uh, exit press conference, he indicated that he was still ready to coach. He didn't really indicate – he was ready to step down. So I believe he was probably fired. 
Yes, I thought I saw the report. I saw it. it didn't really seem like that was a mutual parting of ways. It more seemed like he just kind of got the boot, which really surprised me. That's a really accomplished coach, and I thought Seattle had a pretty decent season, all things considered. So that one really surprised me. Yeah, you would think that they overperformed this year, better than higher than expected. I would have thought. So I can just let me just run down the list real quick: Atlanta Falcons, Arthur Smith, Carolina Panthers, Frank Wright, Las Vegas Raiders, Josh McDaniels, Chargers, Brandon Staley. Patriots, Bill Belichick, Seahawks, Pete Carroll, Titans, Mike Vrabel, Commanders, Ron Rivera. Hey, you forgot the fifth highest, the fifth highest salary for players in the, in all of football is the Alabama Crimson Tide, and they lost their their coach. So there's another professional team that lost their coach. Yep. Obviously, he chose to resign. What do you think about his replacement? I don't know much about him. All I know is that he wins a lot. He's done a good job at Washington. I believe that was the school that he's from. He hasn't lost many games, and I'm sure that excites the Alabama fan base, but it's impossible to fill those type of shoes. Yeah, I said if I was him, I really – I don't know. I mean, I know it's a good job on paper, but I'm not sure I'd want to fill or try to fill that, that void that – that he's leaving, that seems almost like an impossible job with a really spoiled fan base. So I kind of feel bad for the guy in a way, because especially with the way the college football has changed past couple of years with the portal and NIL, I just feel like, you know, I think 12 guys actually declared for the portal from Bama after the end of the season. So I don't know. It seems like it's going to be a really, really hard, hard spot for him. But again, making a lot of money and it's a historically really sound organization. So I guess we'll see what he can do with it. Somebody had to follow Barrow Bryant, and now somebody has to follow Nick Saban, and I bet it does not go well for him. I mean, the truth is, if he loses three games, they're going to call it a terrible year. Yep. That's pretty pretty tough position to be in. Well, as we are recording this, we have some late breaking news. Breaking news, breaking news. The Atlanta Falcons are trying to make a splash here in the NFL head coaching market. At first, they interviewed Bill Belichick, and now, as of 10 minutes ago, they have concluded an interview with Jim Harbaugh. So they are definitely trying to make a splash as a Bucs fan. If they hired any of those two people, I would be very worried. But just breaking news, Jim Harbaugh interviewing with the Atlanta Falcons. Why do you think Jim Harbaugh would want to go to the Atlanta Falcons? Aren't there better NFL jobs out there? Yes, but also what an easier way to get into the playoffs. I mean, do you really want to go in the AFC and be in a division with Mahomes if you take the Chargers job? Or do you want to go to the NFC South and play teams like the Panthers, Saints, and the Bucks? Yeah, that's a good point. All you got to do is make the playoffs and anything can happen. Yep. Alrighty, our last quick hitter. JJ, you want to set this one up? I guess I do, because I know both of you boys do not like this topic, so I'll set it up. So, we've got eight openings in the NFL, I guess seven now, because one just got filled. So, here's the question. How many black head coaches should there be in the NFL? And before you boys go crazy, there are two schools of thought. I think our more progressive liberal friends believe that black head coaches are very much underrepresented 
And the reason the argument they make is 56% NFL players are black, so about 56% of NFL head coaches should be black. There is another school of thought, and that is 14% of the U.S. population is black, so somewhere around 14% of head coaches in the NFL should be black. That would be a reasonable thing. Now, tell me why you guys don't even like the topic. You or me, Campbell? I mean, I guess I can start. I don't know. It just almost seems kind of like a even a silly topic that it's something that's still being discussed. I feel like it should kind of, honestly, I feel like it should be regardless of race, ethnicity, anything like that. It's if you're qualified for the job and that should kind of be the only determinant. I don't know. I think that should be for any job, not just coaching the NFL, regardless of how many people represented in your, in your field of work, you know, whatever, if it's 54% or if it's 14%, whatever it is, I don't, think that really makes a difference i don't think it should make a difference i think it's if you're qualified and you have the credentials to do the job i think you should get a fair crack at doing the job i think the fact that people are discussing it or you know thinking about it too much is pretty on par for the nfl especially with their whole you know it's funny because everyone a couple years ago was doing the whole in racism and stuff like that and putting the end zone and that's what they're thinking that they're going to do to fix the problem but in reality it's you know, obviously not changed anything. So I just feel like it's silly that people are looking at it as, oh, you know, it's uh, we got to hire a black guy here. It's it's more like if if he's a, if he's if he is a qualified individual, he should get the job regardless of color. Is how I think it should be. Parker, let me respond before you do. Campbell, you're exactly right. If there were a test you could take, and whoever scores highest on the test is the most qualified head coach, then I agree 1 million percent. We let that person be the head coach. But that's not it. It's rich white guys picking people to be their head coach. And rich white guys like white guys better than they like black guys. It's simply true. Their friends are white guys. The people they hang out with are white guys. So there is a, there can be a situation where there's an inequity that you need to try to resolve somehow. And the NFL does have plans. You know, they they have this requirement that you interview a certain number of minorities in an attempt to get it get the level where it where they think it should be. But old rich white guys like white guys and will pick them more often than not to be their coaches. I would just I'm just trying to put myself in their shoes. And I would think it's insulting that I'm going for a job interview and I look around the room and I see other applicants. And if I'm the only black guy, it's like, well, I'm only here because the Rooney rule. So, you know, they don't really think they don't really want to interview me. It's just because they're forced to from the NFL. And, you know, I, I, I disagree with Campbell and the fact that it, it should be about their qualifications, but the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is Todd Bowles, and he was asked this similar question in the middle of the season because he was going against Mike Tomlin. And they asked him a question about, are you excited to coach against another black NFL coach? And he was just – he just got really annoyed. He's like, why does it matter to you guys what the color of our skin is? Why, do, why can't you guys just consider us an American just like anybody else? The moment that the media stops talking about it the, is the moment that all of us can come together as just one people, regardless of race – I know I butchered that quote, but he said something similar to that. 
And I, I agree. I mean, you know, it doesn't, I didn't get the job because I'm white. You didn't get the job because you're black. You got the job because you're, you know, qualified for the job. And, you know, if it's about representation, we need to see more Asian people as head coaches or Indian people. I mean, I don't know. I just, we just need to stop talking about, it's about who can do the job. It's not about the color of their skin. Well, I wish I had exact examples of this, but I've heard that this happens. What happens with the Rooney rule is the black guy gets in the room and gets to interview with the people at the Eagles. He doesn't get the job at the Eagles, but some of those guys go to the next team. And when it's time to hire another head coach, they say, hey, we interviewed this guy and he was pretty good. Let's talk to him. And that gets black coaches hired. So I don't think I don't think coaches get their feelings hurt because they get in a room and get to try to sell themselves for whatever reason they get in that room. I think you guys are living in a world where you think people do the best, do the best and don't look at the color of skin when in fact they do look at the color of skin. Okay. We're probably not going to, we're probably not going to agree on this. Yeah, I don't know. I guess what we're saying, or I guess what my solution would be is we probably need more black owners then. We need to get all these rich, white, generational, do-nothing-about-it owners out and maybe get some new ownership in. I know that's a lot easier said than done, but uh, if that's really the case, you know, I don't know. If the NFL was going to put their money where their mouth is, I feel like that would be a great first step. But again, a lot easier said than done. I guess I do want to say one thing. I think it's, I think you'll know you're doing a pretty good job if the number of coaches reflects the, the population in the country. So right now, we now have four black head coaches in the NFL. That's 12.5% of the coaches are, are black. The population, black population is about 14%. So I actually think the NFL is right where they should be. So I don't think they have a problem right now. I would disagree with those people that think you need to have 56% of them. Would you agree with the rule that if all – if 95% of the head coaches were black, would you agree for a rule for them to have it for white people? Well, 56% of NFL players are black, and I am not pushing for a rule that more white people should be allowed to play in the foot, play in the NFL. So I guess, I guess my point is there is oppressed minorities who are historically oppressed in the United States need some catching up to do. White People like myself do not. Okay. So you would not agree to having that type of rule? No. Okay. Got it. All right. We will take a brief break and we come back. We'll play high leverage, true or false. Parker, if you can't get into UT, what's your safety school? Well, if UT doesn't accept me, I'm going to ITT Technical Institute. ITT Technical Institute. You will be amazed on how many student loans you can get attending a school with no academic accreditation. We're back for a game of high leverage, true or false. Parker, Campbell, you guys know the rules and our listeners are smart. Parker, pick a number one to eight. I will take eight, please. Whoa, why did I do that? Campbell should have picked the number. He always goes, we always have a guest go first. Campbell, pick a number, one to eight. 
Let's do eight, please. <laughs> you took it from him. Okay. That's all right. In 2003, Ben Curtis, the 396th ranked PGA golfer, won the British Open. Yeah, that's 100% true. I'm going to leverage my two points there. You could leverage your four if you're 100% correct. I want to save that for when I'm 50. (laughs) Okay. Two for true, and you are correct. Parker, would, would you have gotten that? No. Okay. Don't pick eight. Okay, I'll do one. One. Wade Boggs following a Hebrew to Wade Boggs following a Hebrew tradition only ate chicken on all game days. True or false? That is true. That is definitely true, and I'm gonna leverage it a four. And you are correct. You said it like a man that knew that. Yes. It's on one. Don't pick one or eight. I'll pick number three, please. Number three. Good number. A a table tennis ball can travel 105 miles an hour when struck by a professional player. True or false? False. False. It's faster. Three points. You are incorrect. 105 is the high speed for a ping pong ball. Well, they haven't seen me hit one. I guess they don't like the word ping pong. They prefer table tennis. Hmm. Okay. Semantic. Parker, pick two, four, five, six, or seven. I'll pick six, please. Number six. Hunting is the most popular participation sport in the United States. True or false? I'm going to say false and leverage it a one, please. Good thing you used one because you are incorrect. It is true. It is the most popular participation sport in the U.S. What's the difference between a sport and a participation sport? I guess a sport would be something you watch. So the NFL would be the most popular sport. Mm -hmm. Good point. Okay. Campbell, you have two, four, five, or seven. Seven, please. Number seven. In 1974, all four, all four major U.S. sports were won by teams with red and white uniforms. True or false? 74. Yeah, I think that's true. I think I remember that happening. I'll wager, I'll wager four there. True, and you wager four. What year were you born? Yeah, about 74. <laughs> well, incorrect. Ah, the I just 80s. made that up. A little, little before my time. I just made that up and felt pretty good about it. <clears throat> okay, Parker, you have two, four, or five. Four, please. Number four. The Dallas Cowboys have the highest average score in in Super Bowls. Their average score is twenty-seven point six point twenty-seven point six points per game. True or false? Yeah, that's about right. Dallas Cowboys. I will wager a two and say that is true. 
two and say that it is true. That is incorrect. Okay. Mm. The, the 49ers have the highest average score at 35 points per game. 27.6 is the Cowboys' average score. It's just the 49ers are higher. Wow. So right now, with one left each, the score stands Parker four and Campbell two. Campbell, pick two or five. Five. Number five. Everyone knows that three strikes in a row in bowling is known as a turkey. What most people don't know is any additional strikes are known as baggers. True or false? You said baggers? Baggers. Baggers. Okay. Well, every time I roll a turkey, um, I don't refer to them as baggers after I get the additional strike. I just call it Big Bird. <laughs> so I'm going to go false. You're going to Leverter's one because that's what you have left. You are incorrect. They are indeed called baggers. Okay. Are Big Birds. I like Big Birds. I guess you could argue if you call them Big Birds, then they are by definition called Big Birds by at least one person. It's true. Number two, Parker. Okay. The most common participation sport in nudist colonies is three-on-three basketball. True or false? Repeat the question or the statement. The most common participation sport in nudist colonies is three-on-three basketball. And again, participation, not a viewer sport. Of course. Let's be civilized. Yeah. I can see that. They wouldn't do two on two. That's a, I know that for sure. But three on three. And I wonder if they're allowed to wear shoes. No. Do you think they're still doing shirts versus skins? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say this is too outlandish to be false, so I'll say true and leverage it. Betray. Well, that is incorrect. Lord. The actual most popular sport at Nudist Colonies is volleyball, which kind of makes more sense because I think they're all at beaches. And it wouldn't be sweaty, naked people rubbing up against sweaty, naked people. I have a follow-up question. Mm. How did they get that polling? Like, do they just – why is that a question they would ask a nudist colony? I don't know. There can't be that many nudist colonies. It seems you just pick up the phone and call about eight of them and you'll have the answer. So they're in the yellow pages. Okay, well, that's going to wrap up this game. And this is about the worst we've ever seen people do. Parker, you you only got one correct, but you oh. leveraged it oh. four. Okay, yeah. Campbell, you only got one correct, but you leveraged it only two. So Parker wins. Mm. Smoked him. Thanks, boys. Parker. What's the name of that home improvement store in Salt Lake City owned by Bill Hendrickson? It's Home Plus. Home Plus, where customer service is merely a suggestion. Welcome back, everybody. We are going to be looking at a proposed rule change. And before I kick it off to JJ... He's going to be talking about the NFL wildcard and a way to potentially add another team. Give us some more information, JJ. Well, 
I'm not suggesting we add another team. What I'm suggesting is that, well, currently, let's back up. Currently, there are three wildcard teams in each division. This year, the wildcard team. Each conference. The AFC was the, I'm sorry, conference, yes. This year, the AFC had the Browns, Dolphins, and Steelers. The NFC had the Eagles, Rams, and Packers. Here's the rule change that I'm proposing and why I'm proposing it. The first two wild card positions go to the two non-division winners with the best record. So I'm not changing that at all. The third wild card position goes to the team with the best record in the last six games of the season. If there is a tie for that third position, then it goes to the team with the best overall record. So here's why I think this is exciting. I think this gives every but every team hope until they get to, what is it? After they've played their 11th game, no matter what their record is, they still have a chance to make it to the NFL playoffs. So the cities still remain interested. Teams have every incentive to get on a hot streak. If you remember last year, the Lions were on a hot streak at the end of the year, but they didn't make the playoffs. It would have been fun to see what the Lions could have done in the playoffs. So if we had this rule change, let me tell you what it would look like this year. So this year, the best in the AFC, the best record, let me back up. We're talking about, we're talking about the division winners still become the division winners, so they're not in consideration. The best last six games belonged to the Cleveland Browns, who were five and one, and the Denver Broncos, who were five and one. The Pittsburgh Steelers were four and two. So with my new rule change, the Pittsburgh Steelers would not have made the playoffs, but instead the Denver Broncos would have made the playoffs. Even though they were eight and nine, they would have made the playoffs because they had a five and one record at the end of the year. Oddly enough, they were red hot at the end of the year. And what would have been interesting is would Sean Payton have kept their quarterback? Russell Wilson. The guy whose name I would they have kept him in in an effort to get that last last playoff spot? In the NFC, we actually wouldn't have had a change. The Green Bay Packers were 4-2 and two in their last six games, but so were the New York Giants 4-2. and two. However, because we had two teams that tied at 4-2, and two, the Green Bay Packers would have gotten that last spot and still been in the playoffs. So what do you think about my idea of changing the Third position, third wild card position to something different. So let me get this straight, and you might have explained this. So if the first wild card team also has the best sec, the best record for the final six weeks, it would just fall at like the regular wild card seating. Yes. So the first two wild card positions are taken by the teams with the best record. Now you look at all the teams that have the all the teams that are left. Okay. So essentially, positions seed one through six has been determined now. And now you're looking at position seven. So you look at all the teams that are left and who has the best record in the last six games. Yeah, I mean, I guess it 
found I'm a visual guy, so I'm having a hard time fully comprehending what you're saying. I need to see one of these bra- brackets to break it down. But it seems like to me, and maybe I'm understanding it wrong, it seems like that if that was the case, then I would probably just rest everybody the first seven games of the season and then just try really hard the last six and just keep a healthy roster. <laughs> so I don't know. You know, it just seems like it takes the whole season out of it. You're just essentially playing a six-game season. No, six teams are vying for playoff spots in the traditional way. It's only that last seventh position. And nobody would risk their entire chance to make the playoffs hoping that they could make it in on the last six games. So, again, you but the Jets would. Now, I've, now I've shared my screen so you can see it. The listeners can't. But those first six positions, the Ravens, Bills, Chiefs, Texans, Browns, Dolphins, nothing changes. It only becomes for that seventh position who gets it. And I'm saying instead of having the best record, it's the team with the best record in the last six weeks. But in, the, in this scenario, I, don't, I personally don't think the Broncos deserve to be in the playoffs. I mean, they were absolutely horrid most of the NFL season. I mean, they did well those final six weeks. But they shouldn't be rewarded for having a terrible beginning of their season. And just because they played well through. They're not being rewarded for having a terrible first half. They're just not being punished for it. I would argue that none of the wildcard teams deserve to be in the playoffs at all. The wildcard teams are extra spots. So we can allot them however we want to allot them. The division winners are the only people that deserve to be in the playoffs. Everybody else gets in because the NFL lets them in. I'm just saying let's let that third team get in for a different reason. Okay. Do you think it would dilute kind of the like dilute the significance of having the best teams in the NFL in the playoffs? Okay. So so this year might not be a good year to say it, but you're saying the team that would get eliminated is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh Steelers are not the best team in the NFL. What, what was their seeding? Number seven. I, I would argue that they're the seventh best in that conference. I mean, they play in a super tough division. I think three out of the four teams in that division had positive records, and the team that didn't have a positive record was the Bengals when they usually do with Joe Burrow. But, I mean, I, I digress. But, I mean, I don't hate this idea. You made the argument last week that the Steelers weren't any good and that they fell into the playoffs. Your words. Right. I think that's the thing with football is it's like it's kind of the joke, right? It's any given Sunday football can happen. And I think the more teams we allow to let football happen, the more anomalies, so to speak, we'll see. And you can maybe the Texans aren't an anomaly. Maybe they are really that good. I mean, I was just saying earlier how much I love C.J. Stroud. But I just feel like if we start letting anybody in, you could just have football happen. And then all of a sudden, maybe the Steelers do make a run at the end of the season and somehow make it to the Super Bowl. And it's, how did this happen? How do we let them get here? Are the same thing with the Broncos. And then and then I think the NFL is not going like this because then you're going to have Steelers-Broncos Super Bowl. And who's going to watch that? <laughs> you know? But I think it's kind of, it's a fun, I, like I'm with Parker. I don't hate this idea. I just think that it has a lot of kinks that, would have to get ironed out, and I don't think the NFL would ever go for it for that reason I just mentioned, because you're going to have more football happening and more anomalous Super Bowls and championship games and playoff matchups. You think it would be uneven matchups? Is that what you're saying? 
I'm not even saying uneven. I'm just I'm just saying that you'll have not optimal teams playing in bigger yeah. games instead of having you know Chiefs Bills. You're going to have Cleveland Texans for the AFC Championship game, or you're going to have you're going to have Cleveland and Steelers. And again, it's like oh my, these might be kind of funny. Like haha, that'd be such a funny game to watch. But it's like you don't actually want to sit there and watch that for three hours. I'd rather watch Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow just arm punting it down the field for three hours. Let's vote on it. I'll go first. What do you get? I don't think it's a great idea. I'm I'm gonna give it a six. Six? Campbell, what about you? I'm really sad because this is actually an idea I would love to give a seven. Like this is my <laughs> this is the most optimal seven. <laughs> but since I can't do that, I'll I'll go with JJ. I'll go six. Okay. I will give it slightly below average or slightly below a five, so a four. Well, that's going to average us out at 5.3, so it's not going anywhere. Sometimes these ideas are hard to come up with. All right, folks, we're going to take another last break. When we come back, we're going to dig into the email bag with one of our favorite listeners and the most creative email sender, Ellis. Stay tuned. Parker, seems like you've been going to a lot of movies lately. Yes, I have. Al and I got Movie Pass for only $9.99 a month, and we go at least three times a week. Movie Pass. Yes, with people seeing 12 movies a month and paying us only $9.99 a month, we may be losing a lot of money, but we will make it up in volume. Okay, Mr. Ellis has sent us an email. Mr. Parker, my gas station has a deal that every sixth Coke I get is free. Pretty good. But it does suggest the question that is so difficult to answer. Is it better to get every sixth Coke for free or get the Cokes at at a 25 cent discount? I utilized AI to answer this foundational question, but the answer has left me unsatisfied. So I turned to the competition committee. Is it better to get every sixth Coke for free or get the Cokes at a 25 cent discount? Ellis from Asheville. I feel like I'm dumb enough to where I just want something to be free. You know, like if I know I'm getting something for free, it's going to make me feel good. Even if it's like actually not cheaper to getting something 25% off or 25 cents cheaper every time. So I'm a good old fashioned dumb American. Give me the free one. Well, let me tell you how I'm done. I, in, in my head, the way I view things is if I can give somebody a dollar bill and get something, it costs $1. If I have to give them $2 and to get something, it costs $2. So if I could get the Coke for, less, for 90 cents or less, so after taxes, I can get it for $1, I'd rather have the discount because that means all the Cokes I buy cost a dollar. If, however, I got to pay a dollar twenty for it, so it's like a dollar thirty after taxes, then it might as well cost two dollars. So for me, it really depends on the pricing of the coke. I want it to be as close as I can to a even dollar value after taxes without exceeding it. So I'd rather get the discount if my coke's cheap enough. I'm curious to what his AI uh, generator gave him an answer for. 
because it left him unsatisfied. I'm, I'm curious what it had to say. My guess is it did some kind of economic analysis and didn't didn't consider the human heart, the joy that Campbell gets getting free Cokes and the joy that I get and only having to pay $1 for a Coke. I mean, it would feel pretty nice showing up to the the cash register and throwing five bottles of Coke and the cash register lady says, grab another one for free. We got a deal running. <laughs> that makes you feel good. I just imagine coming on a Saturday after hard, you know, five work, you know, five weekdays and I get my Coke every day at the, at the end of the day. And I know the lady at behind the desk and she's, Hey honey, this mm. one's on the house. Yes. That's what I want to hear. I'm starting my weekend good. Thank you, Miss Cashier Lady. You have a special place reserved for you in heaven with this free Coke you're bestowing me. I think we have our answer. Thank you, Alice. I think all three of us can agree that getting every sixth Coke for free is better. I think that's what we've settled on, right? I think as long as you're happy with your decision mm. to get a discounted Coke, that's what the AI is bestowing upon us, telling us, you know, make make sure you're happy with your decision. Yeah. Alrighty. Bull prediction time. Let's review last week's bull predictions before we jump into this week. So, last week, I had the Texans and Browns under 44 in the Dolphins' money line. Both of those were big, fat losers. I think that Texans-Browns game almost had 44 points in the first half alone. And the Dolphins' money line, that wasn't even close to winning. So both of those are big stinkers. JJ, you had the Dolphins' first half money line, uh, meaning the Dolphins had to win the first half and lose the game. You got half that, right? Yep, they never got ahead, so they couldn't lose a couldn't lose a lead they never got. So it didn't work out for me. Okay, David, he was on the last episode. He had Terrell Hatton plus 400 to be in the top five of the Sony Open. He was incorrect on that one. Terrell Hatton, I have it pulled up here. He finished. I have to look down for on the leaderboard. He was 13th. 13th. He did not get his bull prediction correct. Campbell, you. T-Hat. Campbell had the Raptors money line against the Clippers, who were at home. Did you watch that game, Campbell? No, but I was there in spirit. They came up short. Just a couple close buckets there at the end. They lost by four? Something like that. A minuscule amount. Well, I think the spread in that game was actually minus 10, so they at least covered the spread. But no cigar on your bold prediction. I saved the best for last. Johnny, who is our resident Eagles fan and fanatic, he had, and for those listening that have listened to previous episodes, he's he does these crazy parlays for the Eagles. Sometimes they hit, sometimes they don't, and whenever they don't, it's usually just one part that he misses. He usually gets them right. He wasn't too feeling he wasn't feeling that great about the Eagles going against the Bucks, and he had the Eagles losing by seven to the Bucks, 
and he was our only third committee chair that got his bull prediction correct, which is crazy that he predicted the Eagles would lose by seven, but kudos to him. So this would put us a whopping 0001 for the third committee chair. Zero for me, zero for JJ, one for the third committee chair. If my math is correct. Yeah, we may let we may let each committee chair have their own all the way to the finish. So we might just okay. say that Johnny's one and everybody else is zero. All right, let's do it. Okay. We got to get back on track. We cannot let Johnny hold this lead here. Campbell, what is your bull prediction? I'll say Johnny needs a win if he's an Eagles fan, so we'll let him have this one. My bull prediction for this week, I had a couple that were on the you know, on the burner. I had some dev- devastating news not too long ago, so I was going to do the Blackhawks, but I just realized my, my, my new favorite hockey player, Connor Bernard, whatever his name was, has a broken jaw. I figured in hockey they play through that kind of stuff, but I guess he's having a, a boo-boo, so he's not playing, so I'm not going to bet them. <laughs> So I'm going back to the another future Hall of Famer here in the NFL, a young feller named Jordan Love. He has the the daunting task of playing Brock Purdy and that monster Trent Williams this week. But I got the Packers plus three forty. I feel like I'm feeling good about them, feeling good about that organization. So we'll see if they can shake up things up and squeeze one out over Brock Purdy and Trent Williams. I would like to see them squeeze one out on Brock Purdy. <laughs> Brock Purdy, he might be squeezing one out. JJ, but Trent Williams is a monster. We can't let that slide. He is a he is a beast, and I wouldn't want that guy running at me. JJ, what is your bull prediction? Well, a little interesting historical fact: John F. Kennedy has only missed two of the Lions' playoff victories. Wow! So. <laughs> I don't think I don't think they're going to get a third. I don't think he's going to miss a third. So I think I think the Bucks, who are a six and a half point underdog, so that clearly makes us a bold prediction. I think the Bucks will beat the Lions, and the city of Detroit will go home to their rundown city, very disappointed. Wow, the Motor City, <laughs> Motown. Well, this is shaping up to be interesting. I feel like one of us has got to be right here. I am doing the Texans on the money line against the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson, he just he's just not there mentally in the playoffs. He's now has a track record of when he's a big favorite, he crumbles under the pressure. And I think this season's going to be no different. I think C.J. Stroud and the boys are going to walk into Baltimore and hand these Ravens a big old L. It's going to be – there's always that one team that makes a little run in the playoffs, and I think the Texans are that team. And, you know, all three of us got big uh, upsets. One of us has got to be right here. So we'll see. And you know what the C in C.J. Stroud stands for, don't you, Champion. No, it's Canton. You were close, though. Dang. It's Canton. He's going to be Hall of Famer. Shoot. And you know what, uh, you know what the D in Dak Prescott stands for, don't you? 
No. I forgot what the D stands for, but you know what the P stands for, <laughs> don't you? Prescott. Pathetic. Not in the playoffs. <laughs> and the D stands for do it in the playoffs because he never does. And this week's bull prediction for David, what you got? Last week's prediction of Lord Tyrell Hatton did not hit. But this week at the American Express, I am fairly certain that Mr. Justin Thomas will be in the top five at plus 500. That is going to wrap up this week's show. Be a part of the competition committee by sending us your ideas for making sports more fun for the fans or simply by pointing out a problem that needs to be fixed. Use the links in the show notes to reach us. We need your help to make the competition committee a community. Please text a few of your friends a recommendation and link to our show. It is this easy. Click the three dots in the upper right corner of your phone, select share, messages, type the name of three friends, and ask them to check out the show. That's all it takes. Thanks for joining us this week and look for our new episodes every Thursday. Why, it's a hickory-dackory, Doc.